Welcome to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. It's no secret that Asia is home to some of the most dynamic, innovative, and game-changing companies in the world. Join us as we survey the land to find the most profitable investment opportunities that will allow you to capitalize off this next wave of wealth creation. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced with the goal of providing actionable insights with every single episode. And now, onto the show. Today's show guest is Michael Proper, chairman of Clear Foundation and founder and CEO of Clear Center. Over the past 23 years, Michael has founded and built numerous successful companies in the IT sector. Prior to founding Clear Center, he started DirectPoint, an IT services company purchased by Hewlett Packard, and DPFS, an IT leasing company, which has funded more than $140 million in IT infrastructure. Today, he joins us to discuss his latest ventures, Clear Center and Clear Foundation and the vision that drives him to change the world. Michael, welcome to the show. Grateful to be here. Really am. So in preparing for today's talk, it was actually a bit challenging because you've you've actually been doing a lot of work for many, many years. As I was building out this sort of whiteboard of all the things that you're involved in, I was trying to decide the best way to organize our discussion today. And we have a lot to go through. I think the best way to start is with a little bit of your background and how you came up. And, you know, you're obviously a, a serial entrepreneur. You've built a couple companies and now you're kind of working on your grand company. So maybe you can uh, walk us through the early days of Michael Proper and what led you up to this point in time. Uh, the early days, I'd, I'd have to, you know, be real simple and just say we're, we're basically all the same. Um, you know, we've all kind of been brought into this world in one form or another at a, at a similar time and, and frame. Um and early on in my life, I just had a real solid understanding of the things that I was to focus my efforts and time on. I think that's probably one of the unique things about me as an individual. I wasn't brought up or focused in the normal education system and world and kind of uh, had an early opportunity to look at the big picture, if you will. I don't know if that makes much sense, but um, this is all I've kind of ever done my whole adult life, if you will. Do you think that that's due to any sort of circumstance or something from your childhood or maybe the way your parents raised you or, or a certain passion or extreme interest that you had maybe in tech or computers or, or reading? What do you think caused this clarity that you had from a young age? You know, I think um, I grew up in foster homes, um, started at age nine. Mm-hmm. And um, I think having to, to be forced to reflect on one's purpose and meaning early in life absolutely had bearing on it. And then really just trying to ask and, and um, understand why we're here and what's the purpose of this whole life. And at a, at a real young age, I think absolutely um, helped kind of create a solid foundation, if you will, for um, simplicity of merit and basis, so to speak. So yeah, I definitely think that the childhood, I I was emancipated from the state of California at age 16 and hitched from uh, LA area, which is in California, for those that aren't aware, over to to Utah. Um, Been in this same industry ever since, so to speak. There's a a beautiful story behind it. I don't know if we've got enough time now, but to, to simply answer your question, I'd definitely say yes, my childhood framed kind of where we're at today. So you are obviously in sort of the tech industry. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your early days there. Different industries have different ways 
people approach it. You can be an entrepreneur, you can go work for a large corporate and this sort of thing. Did you ever work for a big corporation first or did you immediately know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and build a company? You know, um, to be honest with you, I said a simple prayer. What is it I'm supposed to do? And through a couple different clarity points, it was technology was what I was supposed to work with. And I called my foster dad and I said, I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what it is. Uh, what's technology? I'm supposed to work with technology. What is it? And this was in 1992, and I really hadn't been, I hadn't been exposed to it. I didn't understand it, and he didn't even understand it. He really didn't have a good answer for me. But a couple of days later, he called back and says, "I ran into this guy who's been in the technology industry, and he's breaking off a Xerox and starting his own business, and he's looking mm -hmm. for an apprentice." And so I think a lot of it had to do understanding what I was supposed to do with, with time. And then once that's done, which is like half the battle, um, having the right opportunity. And so I was able to kind of literally be the right-hand man of an individual who taught me so much and um, kind of just grow. And so I moved around. I moved over to where he was, learned, learned lots. And make a long story short, wanted to be back in Utah with a gal that I was dating then. Now it's my, my wife of 23 years and mother of six children. And um, oh, wow. it's been, it's been a, uh, a beautiful journey. Um, that was, uh, so what, 92? I, have, I can't even do the math. So 24, 25 years ago. So and, cool. and it really has only been three companies. Uh, one, and all of them are still cranking and running in different forms, but one of them was named Calculated Research and Technology, which we grew from less than 100,000 over 10 million with less than 12 people, and it's still cranking. And I left there in the late 1999 to start a new company named Direct Point in 2000, the first day of the year. And they basically combined hardware, software, and services for a predictable monthly fee, and that kind of just took off. Um, and that blossomed into now what's employed well over of thousands of people and uh, broken into three different divisions. One that's got 650 people that basically provides a home-based IT. So for a monthly fee, you can get your PC supported and backed up 24 by seven. Um, but along the road in 2005, we bumped into some of this open source technology and said, this has to be the future because of, if you were to standardize, it's kind of how the, the technology can be developed and link different systems together with open standards. There's nothing that can stop it. And this was way back in the days when it was really um, unheard of or negative. I even, I even remember people telling me you're crazy. You know, that's uh bomber back in those days was calling an open source cancer. And, right. you know, nowadays it's the shift, the tides have totally shifted, but so that's kind of how we got our, our start in 2005 was, understanding what the potentials of this open source movement could bring. And then in 2009, bumped into some of the, the blockchain or original um, Satoshi vision, if you will, and white paper and had some team members and that said, hey, you need to look at this. And, and it really was just a different way to distribute a database, but it just so happened we were in the business of managing distributed systems. And so we had a really unique competitive advantage point and some folks went into it on the on the speculation and crypto side of it, you know, put thirty or fifty thousand dollars in in two thousand nine, which now both of those investments <laughs> are well into the billions and billions. But make a long story short, we've really um we've been blessed to to get into an ecosystem at the right time. And that's why I say we're all the same. We're we're just we're we're all living in this same dispensation and time. And 
it's amazing to be able to watch this thing as what we call the internet or internet of things or artificial intelligence or whatever you want to call the latest craze. Maybe it's Bitcoin, maybe it's blockchain, but it's all really how us humans interact with virtual environments versus the physical worlds we live in. And it's a, it's just, it's an amazing time to be able to build and create. So I hope I'm answering your questions, but those are kind of honest answers and as they are, you know. No, I appreciate it. And I, and it, it seems like this ability that you had to be more forward looking and kind of see the big picture, it's definitely, it seems like the stars are, are all kind of aligning now with your, your current project, because I feel like with open source, you know, you were early adopter with blockchain when the Satoshi white paper came out, you know, most people would be thinking short term and, and how do I turn a quick profit or, 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 or be led by greed. But this is, this is something, just another sort of star that is aligning that will help with the entire grand vision of what you're working on at, at Clear Center and, and Clear Foundation. So maybe we can use this as a segue. Your current and what sounds to be kind of like your magnum opus or your, your grand project here is, is Clear Center and Clear Foundation. So maybe you can introduce that to our audience and tell us if there's an easy way to do it. Please uh, explain exactly what your sort of vision there is. Yeah, so Clear Foundation, based out of New Zealand, started in 2009. Uh, primarily focuses on open standards and open source. And it also issues what, what is known as the Clear Token. Uh, Clear Center, based out of Delaware and has multiple offices around the world, um, primarily focuses on products that are associated with those open source and open standards. So they're really, think about it as Red Hat and CentOS. So you've got one that's open and one that's productized one that drives awareness, and then one that's paid for, kind of like freemium models work. So that's really the relationship between the two. The flagship product that they both share is called ClearOS, and it's adopted in over 150 countries and literally um, almost, actually, I think we clicked over five, 500,000 deployments worldwide since wow. 2009. Um, and it has, on average, about 29 users per LAN segment behind it. But it basically manages the server, network, and gateway all combined. has a web interface on top of it and an intelligent marketplace. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the main flagship product that Clear Center ships. There's a lot of things that are around it, such as apps and hardware. Um, but ultimately, that product itself is very, um, very key to kind of where the future is going on how you can manage distributed and deploy distributed environments. Hewlett Packard Enterprise pre-installs it on all of their servers and it's certified on all ProLiant Gen 9 and Gen 10 servers worldwide. It's translated in over 86 languages. And we believe it's, um, it's a good example of what can be done with open source. It's built on top of Red Hat, but it has a web-based interface and a marketplace that's unique to it um, and really provides a level of value and simplicity Similar to what um, you see at the mobile layer, kind of like with what Android does, but we're at the server network gateway layer. Um, so for us, Clear Foundation, you know, it's uh, it's all about being open and being um, kind of like a, a long-term endowment would look where it comes into the technology play. So it's really built. So it's going to span multiple lifetimes and generations, not just not just um, the team members that are currently working on it, but 
succession planning is already well in place. You know, what happens when any of us pass away or boards or structures or, you know, we've, we've seen things come and go, whether it's houses or senates or unions or countries or all of them together. They, they come and they all have their own time frame. But this is really something that we hope can have a, a much longer um, value and impact for mankind, primarily because we think that um, open source, the model in general, is a form of living what we call the law of consecration, where no one owns it, no one controls it, but everybody benefits and shares from it. And from there, we see a platform where ultimate privacy can be able to be realized and then ultimate choice uh, along with consent. So it's, um, it's an important part of it. We look at it just kind of the technology side, which is the communication and glue. But there's other elements to the vision, particularly three other elements to the vision. The first wave that we believe we'll see is around identity. The second wave is around health. And then the third wave is around energy. And when you combine all of that, we, we see elements around how man will survive with, you know, different parts and pieces of agricultural or minerals or nutrients or water or bunches of other things that kind of ties to health. But there's a lot to it. Um, big picture wise. So I hope that I hope I haven't uh, touched on things that may be sparking questions or. No, no, that's the that's the point. I mean, I think this yeah. is great. I mean, that this it's like when I was doing the, the research, it was like a I jumped down this rabbit hole, and all of a sudden, it's it's like seeing the matrix or something for the first time clearly, and and you see, you know, I mean, this is very very well thought out. Obviously, you know, it sounds like you started with Clear OS in building that realized along the way that okay, this is a lot bigger than maybe what you initially had had started working on. And at some point you realized that there was a need to have the governance of a foundation or, or some sort of guiding body, so to speak. I know that you spent, you and your family spent some time in New Zealand. You mentioned that Clear Foundation was set up and based in New Zealand. Can you explain the significance of New Zealand and, and why you decided to uh, set up the Clear Foundation there? Yeah, so your history and perspective is true and correct, that we, we, we saw the importance of open source, and then we went and did research around what parts of the world you, can you domicile out of that's actually friendly to open source. And there were three, you know, Hutt River was one of them, New Zealand was one of them. There's actually some interesting stuff that, that Europe has been doing, but I think they got derailed with, I won't go through the specifics, but make a long story short, New Zealand was one that was like, you know what, we could... That's, that feels right. So we actually went down, um, understood the landscape, and then literally I personally moved a family of eight, so six kids and my wife and I, for two full years down there in between 2011 to 2013 um, and helped establish the Clear Foundation, specifically um, working with Parliament and the laws around the trade. I don't know if you're familiar with the trade agreement that just recently, it went through within the last five years, but when we were down there, it was being drafted, and they were actually trying to add in um, two le- two words, as is. And those two simple words could have changed the whole reality for what we now know as open source. And Microsoft was actually the organization that was around pushing those two words in there. And it, they actually got put in, and we were able to reach back out to Parliament. That's one of the things I love about New Zealand. The levels of a corruption are, are very, very low. They're very transparent. Mm. They're very honest. They're very available. You could literally get on the phone with someone from parliament or go and visit them. I literally went down 
to the Capitol, went in the parliament, onto the floor, the whole nine yards, and they will listen to you. I remember observing a law that the people didn't like, and within two weeks in the education world, they shifted it. That's the whole, the whole country shifted a law that they passed that the people didn't like. They shifted it all the way back. But wow. the real specific reasons why we're there are two, two reasons. One, they do not honor software patents. So in other words, the software patents that are, are plaguing and slowing down many other countries, mm-hmm. they just don't honor, period. There is no software patents in the whole of the country. On the other side of it, copyright is very solid and strong. And that creates a fertile ground for open source projects to literally thrive. And in this day and age, if you can domicile out of a jurisdiction where it's legal to do certain things like what we're talking about, you can literally get from physical to virtual. And once it's virtual, you can span the world. That's very interesting. I, I, I wasn't aware of the, of the landscape down there and, and that it was so conducive to, to these sorts of, sorts of uh, projects. Yeah, it really, really is. They actually have um, open source um, organizations and foundations. And last year... Uh, Clear Foundation was actually nominated as one of the, so we got some type of award. I don't remember what it was, but um, they really do foster it. And there's a couple key individual, Michael Williams, and there's a couple others that really understand the importance of it. And, you know, New Zealand is one of those environments where they're really, they're really able to make the right laws for the right reasons. And I also believe that the underpinnings of what, what now people call the Maori culture, I'd call them Nephites, but literally they, um, they're the natives that were there. And I believe that they have a strong drive and spirit and underpinning that the, the, the crown, if you will, the colonialism that's kind of settled it recently um, is actually accountable to and listens to them, respects them and honors them. And a lot of it's done because of the right spirit, if you will. And so I believe that kind of like what's happening um, in Christchurch with some of the terrorist, the, the terrorist attack that was there a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. By the way, I was, I was in the same city in Christchurch just six days prior, seven days prior wow. to this, this terrible attack. But um, what you're seeing in the leadership in the country and the people and the spirit is, is the type of leadership that the world needs to see when, when difficult things happen. And I'm not saying that the future is dark and, and, and just difficulties ahead, but I really think it's important for us as mankind to be prepared because, Jay, our generation doesn't understand war. We don't understand the realities that prior generations lived. And I believe that that ignorance um, puts us in a very weak and vulnerable state. So I think it's important for us to, to be responsible as we deploy Things such as technologies or even these digital digital financial systems that you're seeing shifting right in front of our eyes in our generation. So I'll stop with that. But hopefully that answers your question around Clear Foundation and context there. No, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for giving us that background, because uh, I think it's relevant and it's pertinent to uh, what you're building and it aligns with your grand vision, so to speak. OK, so you brought up a lot of good points there and specifically regarding the way the New Zealand government is now very conducive and working very closely and for the people. And it kind of made me think about all these issues now that we're having with privacy and and big data and these large companies accessing and controlling our data. 
And um, the forces that are behind this blockchain revolution or crypto movement of trying to get that data back, get the control back, somehow have it decentralized and not owned by a single entity. Um, you know, the, la the last time we spoke, you recommended a book to me, Life After Google, and I immediately purchased it and, and dug in. And it was exactly all the things that you had told me about and many of the things that you guys are working on there at Clear to to help solve. So maybe we can use this and shift the conversation to talking a little bit about this issue of data privacy and how especially relevant I feel and timely right now with what happened with Facebook recently and, and the data breach. And maybe you could give us a little bit of a landscape of how things are right now and exactly how you see we can leverage blockchain technology, uh, which like you said, is just kind of a fancy way of saying a, a distributed database. Um, and I think a lot of people are confused or maybe they're just not knowledgeable. I, I know it took me a long time to realize and research and, and really understand what blockchain technology is. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about how, how Clear is trying to, to leverage that technology to essentially give the power back to the people, <laughs> if you will. So I know we talked about direct point and what we did there, where we managed hardware, software, and services for other folks for a quantifiable monthly fee. I don't think I turned on the lights that we did it all on premise at the customer's environment, one. Two, we were, we were recognized as number one in the world at doing that. So what I'm saying is we have a core competency to manage environments from a, from a remote perspective. And by doing that, we were actually given an, a, an opportunity to see something that the rest of the world maybe didn't see. For instance, everyone is going to centralize systems and running to the cloud. While they were doing that, we were doing just the opposite. We were perfecting distributed deployments of IT. So how do you manage environments where they're all independent and not together? So for instance, today, all of us basically log on to systems. Maybe they're, maybe they're banking systems. Maybe they're um, healthcare systems. Maybe they're credit card processing systems. Maybe it's a, a flight-based um, scheduling system. Maybe it's a social media platform. Maybe it's a search engine. Maybe it's a mail system tied to a search engine. All these different organizations that run these systems are all centralized. Every one of them that I just mentioned have all been compromised. Every one of them. Mm -hmm. From the biggest identity management platforms that do certain types of uh, profiling for credit worthiness to healthcare, to credit cards, to reservation systems and hotels, you name it. They've all centralized. We've all put our data into them. Some of the biggest systems in the world that is profiling most folks in the world, primarily because it comes out of the United States with three-letter acronyms. These systems have all been built by literally team members that work with the Clear Foundation or Clear Center. So not only have we we've, we see the problem, but some of the team members that are here actually helped build the problem over the last 30 to 50 years. Mm. And I can tell you that, that them understanding what they've helped to build in an irresponsible fashion literally drives them to make sure that before they pass from this generation in, in life, that they do it right, which is giving the privacy back to the individual giving the ability to have consent and control over their information back to the individual. And we will see this in our lifetime, Jay. You and I, we will both see this in our lifetime, where it goes from the individual 
basically using convenience over privacy to conduct a search and in so doing, allowing folks to then profile them. Let's say you want to let's say you want to buy a used car or maybe a new car based upon what you're searching. I guarantee ads, whether it's from AdSense or AdWords or other systems that tie behind the scenes to Instagram and Twitter and Facebook based upon what you search also work the opposite way. And we all can, so we're starting to understand the importance of, and vulnerability. I mean, just last week, the gentleman, I won't even be specific, but some individuals that helped to create what we all call the internet today, they sent out a warning, a very, very um, important warning, inviting, or not even inviting, urging folks to get their own privacy back. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. exactly. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and... And it's very important for many reasons, but the net net is you got to ask yourself, well, if if companies are doing this, why are they doing it? And the simple answer is when you do that car search and Lexus and Toyota and BMW and whoever else pays Google or whatever search engine, Yahoo or Bing or whatever, to be able to advertise to you, why do you think they're doing that? Because it works, right? Right. But on the other hand, because there's money in it. And most things in life, you can follow the money and you can understand how and why and what, and maybe even find better ways that have been scuttled over the years. But the net net is, what if you were to take out that convenient search and apply the data or information to a a profile that was actually valid? So for instance, MySpace was one of the early social platforms in the world, right? Yes. Why is it that Facebook was able to eat their lunch and take their their links and their people and build a system that actually grew exponentially faster? There's a couple of things they did to be able to profile and, and pull in those relationships and people. But ultimately, they provided a little bit more transparency on who those individuals were. And they didn't just let them be some hacker 123ABC username like MySpace did. Right. They let, they let them be a person online. But is that person online verifiable and truly an individual? I personally had a had a we have a, a pet. His name was Jack. He had a Facebook profile for four years. That's a perfect example of, you know, is there viability in social media and connections? Facebook is a perfect example of yes. We as humans have an innate desire to connect, whether it's physically or virtually, and to share life. And we'll do it in whatever form uh, technology allows us to do it or life allows us to do it. But I would argue that there is a better way. There's a better way for people to be able to be in control of who they are without relinquishing what they are. And if they've relinquished something, kind of like what the law GDRP is saying that they, they mandate, you know, we believe that there's a simple way to be able to comply with GDRP, not just on the vendor or the, the centralized data provider side, but also on the consumer side. And so we really believe that there's a new infrastructure that will be realized over the next decade and that there will be systems that will in, enable this infrastructure from a decentralized approach. Imagine your home. Imagine your apartment, imagine your business all being a part of this decentralized environment. When I say decentralized, all I'm talking about is the servers are not in some data center 
that is owned by Google or Facebook or some conglomerate that they're basically using some distributed network associated to. So hopefully I've touched on the, the questions that you're asking, but it's a, it's a big reality and a big problem around identity. Um, and we've been working a lot of, I mean, literally it's over 10 years now specifically on building the infrastructure so that identity could actually be decentralized uh, responsibly and at scale. You know, it's a very interesting point how you said what we've given up for convenience or perhaps for our craving for social interaction, we've traded privacy for. And we see a lot of people, such as many of your, maybe of your colleagues now that are, are that have the same motivation, having been part of that older world and built and having a, a role in building the, the monster, so to speak now have this extreme desire to come up with a better solution. You know, I think a perfect example that comes to my mind are, I think one of the WhatsApp founders is basically a very strong advocate of, of privacy. And, and he's come out publicly a number of times advocating privacy and, and this, this whole movement. So I think that it's interesting if you read about the history, because I think that what got us here was, is still unknown to many people. You know, I mean, for those in the masses, social media networks are, are like you said, just a, a way to socialize and connect with people. And Google search is, is free and it's, it's the fastest out there. And so people don't realize what they're giving up when they use these services. And I feel like you're, you're absolutely right. In our, in, our, in our lifetime, there will be a shift. And hopefully um, the clear OS is at the center or, or leading, leading the charge with this. Maybe you can talk us through a little bit about how the clear OS system and marketplace was designed to sort of work towards this vision of having open source and decentralized data, you know, maybe you could give us a, an easy example for people like myself that aren't that tech savvy and understand the, the jargon of sort of the, on the enterprise level of, of tech solutions. Yeah. So today, technology, particularly open source technology, hasn't always been simple. So it usually works off a command line, which is a black screen. But just like what Netscape turned into or from um, Mozilla mm -hmm. or what DOS turned into with Microsoft where it had a web an interface on it we're doing the same thing with open source and many others will do it but all that really is is making open source usable you know Google Google when they acquired Android I don't, I don't know if folks really understand where Android came from but you can take closed code that's not really built on open platforms, if you will, and open source it and then convert it for adoption in method in business models. But the net net is we believe that native open source platforms using open standards that are very simple to use is imperative for the future. And um, ClearOS does just that. So it basically takes what's normally in a command line and has a web interface to it. Um, that then has apps that can be pulled down, just like what you would see in a marketplace like Android and others. Mm -hmm. But a good example would be, let's say that you wanted to actually protect your home. You wanted the whole of the internet to be blocked and then to subscribe to services or subscriptions or even your own group of feeds where you would basically um, allow only the good or things that are known in. For us to deploy the internet and then willy-nilly just say every port in every country and every URL everybody can see, I believe is irresponsible. Mm. Uh, 
um, I believe that there's a better way. I think that there, and there's a couple apps inside of clear OS. You pull them down and you can basically do just that. It's not like, think about content filter 3.0, right? right? It's not a, it's like, instead of just filtering the web, it actually blocks the whole of the web and then uses machine learning and artificial intelligence to allow only what you want in your environment, which is literally creating a whole nother unique form of the web in and of itself. So that's one example of a use case. Another is your data. Let's say that you were able to, almost everyone listening to this is, has, has their own cell phone. And I would say, I would even go as far to say, everyone listening to this has a cell phone. Yes. You know, what region they're in, what network they're on, what speed they're using. Those are all different variables. But we all have these cell phones. These cell phones can be a combination of who we are as it interacts with us. And, and the combination of that then turns into data. Why? Because with these cell phones, we do certain things. We take videos, we take photos, we take recordings, we take, you know, um, wallets. I mean, other things that you do with a, a phone you can literally tie that to who you are and what you have. And then you, you basically, so it's a combination of not only security, but a combination of storage. And when you take that security and that storage and you combine it for the individual, you literally can combine how we operate. And so let's say that you as an individual, you wanted your own private mail, you wanted your own private storage, you wanted your own private network and your own experience online. And you wanted to do it for next to nothing, and you want to do it easily. ClearOS would enable you to do that. So, out of the out of the over five hundred thousand deployments that we have, coming up on sixty thousand of those deployments are in homes, and they're in homes where, you know, individuals, mothers, fathers, kids, they figured out how to download this ClearOS software and literally install it on some form of an x eighty six based system, and and do just that. So what we believe in the future is literally productizing all of these complex experiences that these folks have had and making it even simpler. So in other words, instead of having to download something and install it on something and figure all the different jargon out, we want it to literally be turnkey. You pull down an app on your phone or you buy a phone and that literally gives you the ability to have your own identity. That same phone can then be synchronized with a device that goes at your home or at your business. And that actually provides your own private storage and infrastructure for your identity. As you're maturing this identity, this identity will literally have a score, which will then be able to tie to the future of the individuals that want to profile and pay for your information. Some of the things we see online, a really good example was that automobile search. But think about things around big pharma or data around healthcare, mm -hmm. they're paying on average $2,500 per individual or per deployment to try and find different studies that certain archetypes or individuals can fit within. So think about how individuals can actually make money on their own identity instead of allowing search engines for convenience to make money on their own identity and taking away their privacy. Does that make sense? That makes that makes one hundred percent sense. I mean, I I think about it's funny when you when you talk about the way that you've structured it. I I think about I have three kids. I know you have six, and I don't know how you manage to do that and build a, this uh, amazing company. You know, uh, so I, I got an amazing wife. <laughs> Uh, but I think about it, it's it's funny when after I had my kids I, I started thinking about you know, things like oh the future for them right and this sort of thing which is exactly what the clear center vision is and and I think about 
even something as simple as the internet, exactly what you said, you know, like, how do I not necessarily block, but how do I filter and make sure that the, you know, their privacy is protected and maybe some of the content out there on the internet is, you know, not accessible to them, you know, uh, because it wouldn't be enriching to their, them growing up. And so I think about that and I think about how much sense it makes that the way you've set up the ClearOS system and marketplace. And it's it's definitely something that needs to be a turnkey solution because even for someone, just a regular guy like me, you know, I have my data is everywhere, right? You know, Dropbox, I have Box account, you know, this, that, and the other. And every time I connect, even on my mobile phone or I log in on my work computer, I'm always, there's always a part of me that's like, hmm, you know, this whole cloud thing, like, what, what, you know, you hear about these hacks all the time and breaches. It's like, are my photos just out there? You know, like, you never know, right? So to be able to have a, a system where you have the confidence of knowing that you control your data and you know exactly who who has it or who you can allocate that data to is very powerful, I think. And I think that this is going to be a world-changing solution. You know, we're hopeful that it, it responsibly deploys technology. We're not doing it for us or for names. We're doing it for exactly what you've got running around in your house, these three kids. How old are they, by the way, Jay? Uh, so five, three, and two, basically. We did the fast track. <laughs> Yeah, so this is gonna. This reality is only gonna get as they double in age, um, more important to you. You talk about, you know, would be, you know, concerned on how they grow up with this internet, so to speak. And the reality, from my perspective, is um, the internet is very good, very, very good. There's a ton of good reasons for it to be around, but I can honestly tell you that I personally believe that the morals and degradation of the family and communities and societies and even countries has taken a step back because of what we've done technologically. Um, I can go in depth on, on the realities on why I believe that, but, but the basis for countries such as Indonesia to use ClearOS not only for military reasons or for governmental reasons or to teach in their universities or to deploy in their homes or in their businesses or even deploy at, at the cellular layer um, for different ISPs that are coming into the country, they're identifying what's happening to their culture, per, particularly Indonesia, um, which is one of the highest sex trafficking countries in the world. And they are starting to figure out why is this and what's happening. And a lot of it is just tied to this internet. And I'm not saying that people can't have choice. They absolutely should have choice. As a matter of fact, this is not about taking choice. It's about responsibly enabling choice. Um, and so you as a father to protect these children, but then allow them to be online. Because what you and I experienced as we were growing up, where maybe it was a television that we that's all we had access to. I mean, I remember going to high school. I learned how to type on a typewriter. There were no computers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, you know, um, but they're learning how to input devices by communicating with them. Hey, Google, what's this math question from here to here? I mean, it's you want to enable them to gain the knowledge because it's the best education that they can snag any by, by far. But on the flip side, you don't want to expose them to what you talked about, the enriching part of you know life and growing up. Because ultimately, Jay, it can actually change your kids and not for the positive. That's right. They're in beautiful as they are right now. 
and and it's 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 your job to respect them and to love them and to to teach them and provide an environment that's safe for them the rest of the world they can do what they want to but in your home you need to have the choice as a father to be able to enable them to have the technology that you want them to be exposed to, that your wife wants them to be exposed to. And we're just working super hard to make that simple for folks just like you. So literally, you can deploy a device in your home and it's plug and play and it just works, period. I love that because uh, that is the quickest way to proliferating and having the mass adoption uh, at scale, basically just grow the vision. You mentioned that your solution is, you know, hardware, software and services all packaged into one sort of turnkey solution. And I know that in 2017, you announced a partnership with Hewlett Packard Enterprises, who I I guess you have a relationship from uh, your prior company. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that and how that partnership was formed. Yeah, so the team that we're working with at Hewlett Packard Enterprise is actually independent from the team oh, okay. um, that we did with prior because they actually split. So Hewlett Packard um, really is where the print services are, which is in the prior relationship. And Hewlett Packard Enterprise. We actually, I actually, um, I worked with Mitt Romney and Mitt Romney connected me with Meg Whitman and Meg Whitman wow. connected me with Peter Schrady and Peter Schrady connected me with, uh, I won't even go through the names because they're real specific individuals that are there. But, um, but the individuals that are, that we're working with came from uh, relationships and um, really the merits of the technology. ClearOS is built on top of Red Hat, which is the largest software transaction in the world, mm-hmm. $32 billion in cash purchased by IBM in November or October. Um, and so literally where people thought we were crazy in 2005, literally you see the largest transaction in the world mm-hmm. right in front of our, right in front of us. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of the basis there. As far as Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, they were really, we looked at them as, as really number one in the server world. And we we're just grateful and honored to be able to, to be at the table with them and work with them. Um, ClearOS does work on all x86-based servers worldwide. So that, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to have a brand behind it. But what we look for is literally um, responsible companies that deploy technological solutions. And we, when we look at HPE or Hewlett Packard Enterprise, we really see that in a, in a partner and a relationship. So does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's incredible. So you can go and purchase this product that has ClearOS fully loaded and get it, get it started right, right away, right? Yeah. So you can, you can download ClearOS today from clearOS.com or you can you can go and grab um, from Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I'd recommend the microserver. Literally it's a, Solid server, it'll hold up to 50 terabytes of storage. Um, and we'll actually start, we have the Clear Foundation issued what we talked about as the Clear Tokens. And you can literally start getting paid for hosting storage um, to be able to then tie to this whole identity world. Because remember, if it's going to be hosted or delivered or run by the people, it's got to be hosted and functional by the people. So we need just as important as providing the identity to individuals, we need the, the storage that can be managing those identity environments. So it's not a centralized uh, infrastructure. Right. So, yeah, you can buy, um, buy a server with ClearOS installed and literally just kind of run from there. Um, kind of like um, is Filecoin something like the is that like a similar concept of where you can basically yeah, rent so out your. That's a really good question. So Filecoin. IPFS, storage, storage A, uh, SIA, yeah, they're right. all in 
similar shared storage ecosystem. Um, and all of those will actually be available indirectly or directly through the ClearShare environment. Um, so they're, they're all different technologies with different use cases and, and origination. But FileKind in, in specifically, I really like what they've done with IPFS, which is interplanetary file system, um, and how that works. But the underpinning between how you take a, a file and shard it and share it, um, and then you get compensated for it is exactly what we're talking about with the storage side of things. Right. So, uh, and then you mentioned the clear token that you can actually earn and have that as currency in the ecosystem. Maybe you can tell us, uh, the audience, a little bit about the clear token. And I know that there's a, you're running a bonanza that, that will help increase awareness around the world. How would a, an audience member or a listener that's interested participate? Yeah. So currently, uh, actually, February 6, 2017 is when it was announced out of Singapore. Um, and that's actually Independence Day for, New Zealand as well. And there's a unique day there for Singapore too. But make a long story short, 11.37% um, has actually been distributed so far. And that included a pretty strong, we didn't, we're not your typical go out and, you know, push an ICO message and pull folks in. And that's not what this is about. It's really about getting um, total number of users that actually are holders of Clear. And since that launch in February, of last year, we've got about 65,000 users that are actually have some type of holding within Clear. And we believe it is it is a digital value exchange, as you talked about, a digital currency that can actually provide, you know, purchasing abilities for the Clear-based ecosystems, you know, hardware, software services, and then also allow folks to be able to stake on their identity, stake on their storage, and then be able to receive value. There will be... Um, a future for it that's pretty independent and unique, especially when you hear some of the second and third waves that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So the first wave being identity again, the second wave going into the energy side of things, excuse me, the health side of things, and then the third wave is the energy side of things. The combination of all of these coming together, we believe will provide a very unique and disruptive um, ecosystem when it comes to value exchange and what people can trust and hold in the value exchange ecosystem. Remember, we're taking the long um, approach to this where time is really taken out of the equation and we're looking at for what's the right way to deploy this and not just from what uh, an individual man or people would think about, but from a, a collectively, what's right for mankind? You know, how, how is it that somebody um, born in Zimbabwe may have different opportunities than somebody born in London? And we really, we really believe, like I told you at the beginning, we're all the same. We, we really just want to build a system that enables us to all communicate and interact and provide value and relationships with one another around the world. And CLEAR is just one of those processes to be able to um, share or switch some of that value exchange, if that makes sense. It's very exciting, Michael. I'm so excited to see what you guys have built and, and spent so many years working on and, and how that develops and proliferates in the future. I think that it's one of the sort of best 
largest and most ambitious projects that I've heard of. But the more I learn about it, the more I speak with you, the more confident I am in that you will be successful. Looking forward just to sort of on the, the, the near term, say 2019, 2020, is, are there any sort of milestones or goals that you guys are working on in the immediate future to help build the clear sort of vision, if you will? Um, just consistent with what we've already talked about. So we really are, we, we run these things called WIGs, Wildly Important Goals, um, where we basically lock and load yearly goals, one, maybe two, and then we measure every week how each team is doing it. So we've got 91 individuals, 90, 93, 94 individuals now across the world in nine different offices. Um, and so this is a way for us to all stay organized. And the goals that we're focused on are, are primarily around um, identity and storage and how they relate. And then also the products that are associated to those. So in 2019, those are the things that you will, you will see. One of the things that I would also say is very different about us, even though we've been in blockchain since 2009, you won't see us beating our chest or our drum, even though we're on this, this radio show with you. Um, we don't go out and, and spend money or time trying to inappropriately beat our chests, if you will. Mm. But we do what we say we're going to do. And so that's probably two very unique differentiators with what's involved in any of the, the ecosystem that is revolving around blockchain, which I personally, as I've been exposed over the years, I think literally 80, 85 to 90% of it is just absolute waste of breath and <laughs> you know it's, it's just fraud in some ways it's just straight up fraudulent they don't even understand the technology and the delivery behind it so it's incredible and it's it's sad because uh in, at the end the person that will probably get the short end of the stick uh, like like we saw last year when there was that ico hype are the are the retail punters or investors or speculators if you will that that didn't really know anything about it but they saw their neighbor making some money and so they decided to to jump in and and they probably all end up getting burned on these phantom projects that don't even have any sort of product or or solution shipped so and you mentioned that you you do have a, a team that's based around the world you have offices around the world as well you know the foundation is obviously based in new zealand asia specifically because um i'm sitting here in hong kong what do you uh, do? You guys have any presence here, or our plans to um, proliferate in the region? Um, I know that Asia is is a big geography for a lot of of companies, and um, specifically in what you're working on, I think it's very relevant. Um, so, me personally, I don't have a lot of deep roots in that part of the world, but I do look forward to spending much more time there. Um, our treasurer of the Clear Foundation, Gregory Jones, amazing man. I've known him for a long time and respect him like a father. Um, he actually lived in Hong Kong for 20 years, oh, speaks wow. five or six languages, um, and he's there often. As a matter of fact, I think he was there over the weekend. Um, but he, um, he has very solid uh, connections, and I know that China and Asia in general will have a large role in all of this, um, and we will – we will work hard to ensure that um, a lot of the infrastructure, I mean, the world is basically running and leveraging infrastructure and communication devices that all come out of Asia. They're all manufactured there. You know, the last 20 years has literally been a game where Asia has won that game, period. Mm. And yeah. so they'll always be connected to it. The communication devices that it all works on, 
the, the central systems that they're all built on. Um, you know, we've worked with some of the strongest Chinese companies over the last decade and plus um, and have some pretty interesting relationships. And we, we just we plan on continuing to grow them. Today, we don't have offices, per se, in those regions that are material offices with, you know, lots of people, so to speak, more than a dozen is what I would say of material. But um, we do look forward to that changing. So I did personally just work on my 10-year visa in Asia nice. just a couple of weeks ago. So, but it's my first one ever. Uh, so, I, you know, I've been all around the world, every other part of the world, but not Asia. So. <laughs> well, looking forward to seeing you over here soon, Michael. Michael, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure catching up with you. I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours on on uh, what you're working on and, and your vision. But I really appreciate the time you've taken to share with our audience. You know, like you said, you're... You're not uh, you're not one to be out there doing uh, aimless marketing or chest puffing and that sort of thing. So I, I do appreciate you you taking the time to explain what you're working on with us. What is the best place that people in my audience can find you or follow you? Maybe read about some of the exciting things you're working on. I know that I spent some time reading uh, your white paper, which was uh, incredible, and um, and even just delving into some of the future upcoming problems that you are, are trying to find solutions for, such as uh, health or energy. It was just exciting reading about that stuff. So where can I direct my audience members to? The best place to go is to clear.co.com, and you can read up on everything that we've talked about during this this call here and you know see any white paper or presentation or even movie on every everything that we've talked about the business wise so um and they'll you know down at the bottom there's always blogs where you can keep up to date there on the latest news we are announcing some pretty very interesting and exciting um, acquisitions because a lot of this stuff we can't do on our own and people have already done it and so when we show them hey if you plug it in this way you know, they start figuring out one and one equals seven or eight instead of two. <laughs> and we're more than happy to, to join forces and lock arms and, and make this happen. So we've already closed over the years four or five different acquisitions, and we'll announce two or three more this year. So in 2005, we, we worked with a company named Witspits and acquired them. They're on a virtualization platform now known as ClearVM. Mindbox in 2007. Kalo in 2018, or 2017, excuse me, and then 2018 it was Kalo, and then we'll announce. We announced one last week, and we'll announce another one actually tomorrow, which is probably the most exciting one of the year so far. So, um, but again, clear.co.com is the right place to to do any kind of due diligence or research if you're interested. Very exciting. Once again, Michael, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I'm personally very, very excited to see uh, and track your progress. I know that we'll be rooting for you and, and watching um, your continued success. Um, and like I said, you know, I, I, I feel like once I fully understood what you're working on and, and the, the, just the depth and the amount of time and focus that you guys have been working on this project, I'm, I'm very confident that you will be successful. So thank you again. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we're looking forward to hearing more great things about Clear Center and the Clear Foundation in the future. Jay, thanks for, I don't know how you found us, but thanks for doing your due diligence and your research and for digging into the details. Not many people have the staying power and ability to just grasp it, which you've already grasped in such a short period. I mean, I think the first time we talked to you was like less than 10 days ago. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for investing your time and driving awareness to things that are actually important and matter. And 
And I look forward to hopefully meeting you one day and shaking your hand and looking you in the eyes. So watching your kids grow as they, as they age. Absolutely. All right. Take care, Michael. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All of the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. As always, I'd love to hear your questions, comments, or future guest suggestions. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer. That's J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you in the next episode.